Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, um, hope everyone's having a fabulous day. Today, I do not have a guest. I'm actually going to be talking about something that I know very well. I'm going to be talking about executive function. And I know that we've discussed executive function in or executive functioning, as I've, I know it's called, but I like to shorten it and call it executive function. We've talked about it in several other episodes. Um, I think our very first episode was with... Um, Dr. Brett Anderson. So if you're interested in, in learning more about uh, the definition of executive function, you're welcome to go back and listen to that episode. Um, we've defined it um, on several episodes, so it's a really good way to learn more about what executive function really is. Today, I want to focus more on how it manifests in everyday life and then also offer parents some suggestions on how to improve executive function skills for their children and, and teenagers. Now, I do work with adults, but today I'm going to focus primarily on children and adolescents. So the first thing I want to talk about is executive functioning skills. We're not born with them. We learn them. Most kids learn them from their parents, primarily their mothers, because that's who they spend a lot of time with when they're, when they're very young. But um, it can also be a grandparent. It can also be a father. It can be a teacher. It can be anybody. So when kids go to school, they learn executive function skills from teachers who are teaching them how to manage their time or maybe organize their space or clean off their desk. So all, the, all of those things are executive function skills that they're being taught by an adult. What I want to talk about today is how to identify when your child's having executive function challenges. So there are many reasons a child may not learn their executive functioning skills. Um, some could be as simple as the child just doesn't pay attention. Others could be more serious. They might have a diagnosis of autism or maybe ADHD or a combination of the two, or maybe even a variety of other uh, challenges in their life. So today's goal is to help parents get information that will identify those executive function challenges and then we'll talk more about some practical tips um, towards the second half of the show. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what I what I notice or what I hear from parents or guardians. Uh, some some of these I'm going to go through very quickly, and some I'm going to linger on a little bit and talk more about. But I hear a lot, and the statement will start off with my child or my you know niece or my nephew or whomever they're working with, they have low self-esteem or they have low self-confidence. Um, so they don't feel good about who they are, or maybe they don't feel good about the things they can do, uh, specific skill sets. So maybe they don't feel good about math, or maybe they don't feel good about their writing ability. The self-esteem comes directly from the family. Who you are, how you feel about who you are typically comes from your family. So if your family makes you feel good about who you are, then you're probably going to have better self-esteem than somebody who uh, maybe lives in a household where they're constantly being told negative things about who they are. 
the self-confidence can come from school. It can come from home. It can come from anywhere. Um, it can from sports even. So that self-confidence is really important, but the two together really help create a much happier, well-rounded child. And those are the keys. Those are the two things that I work on the most when I start working with a child at the very beginning, because if they have healthy self-esteem and healthy self-confidence, they're more likely to do better on everything else in life. So one of the other things that I hear a lot is my child has poor grades or their grades are dropping, or their grades are dropping dramatically, or they don't finish their homework in class, or they don't write their homework down in their calendar. One of the issues that I run across quite a bit when a child is just, especially if this has been a lingering issue, if they don't finish their homework, or they don't write down their homework, or Um, Maybe they're having difficulty putting information from the board onto their calendar. This could be an eye tracking issue. And so a lot of times I might refer a child to an eye doctor to get an evaluation to make sure we don't have any eye issues that are mimicking executive function issues or even behavioral issues. So when your child does not do the things they're supposed to do, investigate it a little bit further and and see if maybe they're having another issue. Maybe it's executive functioning. Maybe it's an eye issue. And these can be simple fixes. Uh, Another thing that I hear a lot is my child does not look at their calendar or see what needs to be done. This may be a motivation issue. Maybe what they're doing at school is just not exciting. Maybe it's not fun. Maybe it doesn't maybe they don't understand the importance of it. So this particular issue might require you to sit down and have a conversation. Like, why aren't you doing your work? Talk to me about what does, what does this mean? You know, is this important to you? And if not, let's find a way to make it important to you. Or maybe they don't complete their homework or they complete their homework, but then they don't turn it in or they don't turn it in on time. So sometimes I run into this issue with kids who are, more on the gifted spectrum, and they find the information um, that they put down in their work not perfect enough. They want perfectionism. They want it to be perfect before they hand in their homework, or um, they can't quite finish it because they can't figure out how to make it perfect. So this also might require a conversation. You know, sometimes you just have to turn something in and call it good enough. Good enough is good enough. Um, Sometimes it's better to get partial credit for um, an assignment than absolutely no credit. So um, this is is also a fairly easy easy fix, but it is something that needs to be addressed. So if your child's doing this, um, it's definitely an easy thing to fix with a conversation. A lot of times parents will call and tell me, my, my child does not pay attention. They can't focus. They're easily distracted. If this is the case and they have not had a recent evaluation, uh, I might refer them to go get an evaluation to determine if these symptoms could be related to ADHD or, or some, other, um, some other challenge that the child is, is having. Um, and you want to make sure that you're, you're getting these evaluations done if needed. Uh, you don't want to over-evaluate your child but you definitely want to make sure that you address uh, more serious issues if they are needed. And if you're ever looking for um, somebody to do an evaluation for you, feel free to give me a call and I'd be happy to refer you to uh, several different psychologists who do testing. 
Another challenge I hear a lot is my child is often late because they're always looking for something. This is usually um, a child who is very messy. Uh, Their room is messy. Their desk is messy. Their work area at home is messy. They can't find anything in their backpack. They can't find anything in their room. Their stuff is scattered throughout the whole house. The dining table is completely engulfed in their things. Uh, the uh, The coffee table, the dining table, their living room, everything is just completely littered in their belongings. So they struggle to find anything. Um, So usually mornings become very chaotic. Their morning routine, their afternoon routine becomes very chaotic. So one of the best ways to kind of deal with this is maybe just look through their backpack, look through their desk and teach them the skills that they need to do what they need to do. Do not just tell them, go clean out your backpack or clean out your desk. Trust me, if they could, they would. So um, some of the ways that I work with different students and and I help them with their challenges. So once I get that list of, you know, my, my parent, you know, the parent will call me and tell me, Hey, my kids or my child's got all these um, issues. I, I go through my intake process and and I usually uh, have a check. Well, not usually I always have a checklist that I created that has a list of all the executive function challenges in different categories. And those categories are the most common challenges that I see. And I ask the parent to check off the ones that they think their child has an issue with. And I ask the the child to do the same. And I look to see if there's some overlap, if, if there's some consistency between what the child is telling me and what the parent's telling me. Um, sometimes I'll get two, to, if I have two parents giving me uh, feedback, I'll have completely different feedback from uh, the child, the mother, and the father, because the father might see the child in a completely different setting than the mother, and they will argue back and forth. So as parents, I ask you, you know, be on the same page, um, really look at, you know, the setting, look at the environment in which you interact with your child, and and you're going to get a completely different set of information from a teacher or a babysitter or even a tutor. Uh, It it all depends on the the setting and and how this child interacts with those individuals. So just that's something to pay attention to as well. So when I get that information from the family, I evaluate it. And I look at it to determine how I want to work with the child. So the following um, items, I'm going to talk a little bit about the categories and what falls under each one of those categories. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because um, I don't think we have the time for that. And, And I think it's really important that we stay on track and focus on what it is the child um, needs help with. So the first category that a lot of people come to me for is time management. This is huge. Uh, my child can't manage their time. My child can't, you know, show up on time. They don't know how to read a clock. They don't know how to um, manage their time when they're doing their homework. They don't know how long um, it takes to to do an assignment, or they know how long it'll take them to do an assignment, but they don't understand how long, you know, they've been sitting there for like the time passes and, 
and and they think they've been there for five minutes. In reality, they've been there for an hour. So there's a lot of um, a lot of information that needs uh, to go under time management. So and then there's planning and prioritization, and those tie in. They dovetail right into time management. And my recommendation for a situation where your child has a lot of time management issues is to use a calendar. I, I recommend using a, a calendar for planning purposes, an actual paper calendar. And then I ask for a secondary calendar on your phone for appointments. So that way they have the ability to sit down and actually see things long-term. And then they put the specific calendar items onto their their phone or their computer. And that way, all of that information is easily accessible. And if you set alarms or alerts for those calendar events, then they don't have to worry about memory issues either. They don't have to remember. They just have to put it on the calendar and the calendar becomes their assistant and gives them that information as needed. It's also really important for especially kids who have time management issues to create like a weekly overview as well as a monthly overview. And this is especially important for teenagers. Younger kids, um, you just want to sit down with them and talk to them about, you know, here's what we have going on this week. And you have to do this for your child based, you know, appropriately based on their, their age. So a younger child, you might just sit down with them, show them the calendar, have everything written out and talk to them about the important things and when you're going to do things and how you're going to do things and who you're going to do things with. But a teenager, you can sit down with them and have them be in charge of this calendar. And once you teach them how to do this, they can pretty much take it and run with it. But it does take some skill to manage long-term school projects or um, maybe studying for final exams, especially if they cover, especially if that exam covers a full quarter or a semester or a year. Uh, this takes some some skill to plan this out. So make sure you you sit down and, and teach your child how to do this. If you do not know how to do this, find someone who does, because if you don't have the skill, you're going to struggle. Um, throughout your academic career. And that is not a very fun way to go through school, you know, especially if you are smart and you are capable, you you need to have these skill sets. The next thing that I, um, I, I have on my checklist is organization. There's two directions you can go with organization. There's the actual physical items, having a place for everything, putting things away, Um, cleaning out your backpack regularly so that you know what's in there and it's organized and consistent. Same thing with the desk, same thing with your bedroom, you know, your bookshelf. All of these things are the actual physical organization of items and information. There's organization on the computer. There's organization, um, of files and keeping things together. So there's a whole lot of bits and tidbits of information that you can organize. But the most important one, in my opinion, is organizing your thoughts, organizing what's in your head. Um, I had a student that recently explained to me how it felt for him 
before he and I started working together. He said, before we started working together on organizing his thoughts, it felt like all the information came in and basically was dumped into a bucket. Once he and I started working together and we started um, talking about organizing his thoughts and we started actually doing things that helped him organize his thoughts better, then he said his thoughts became like a filing system in his head and he could retrieve information on demand when he needed it and whenever he needed it. So it became so much easier to take tests, to write papers, to perform math skills um, on, on a math exam. So life became so much easier once he was able to organize his thoughts better. The next one is sustaining attention. And this one, I, I would highly recommend games, simple games, you know, um, memory, uh, as well as um, cognitive flexibility, sustaining attention. These can be helped with coaching. These can be helped with games. And I recommend a whole variety of games that everyone has in their homes, uh, such as Uno. Uno is a fabulous game. Um, you, can, you can help uh, improve sustaining attention, memory, cognitive flexibility, organizing your thoughts. All of these things can be um, improved with just a simple game. And that's not the only game you can play. That's just one example of a game. And in order to improve like processing speed, you might want to play Speed Uno or um, create a, you know, just kind of change things up a little bit. And as you work on these different uh, areas of, of function, you're going to find that your child's skills are going to improve not just in school, but in other areas as well. Like they're, they're going to be, as they get older, they're going to be able to do better in a job. They're going to be able to do better in social situ situations. Um, so all of these areas around life will start improving. So we have sustaining attention, memory, um, cognitive flexibility, which is your ability to um, think faster, problem solve better, and organize your thoughts better. So cognitive flexibility is something I work on quite a bit. And I find that when I work on cognitive flexibility, things like memory, sustaining attention, uh, organizing thoughts, processing speed, problem solving, all of these areas improve. Um, and like I said before, as these things improve, your child's grades are going to improve, their social situation at school is going to improve if, if they had a problem with that in the past. And they're basically just going to be, um, everything's going to become easier. So that's, that's really kind of the important thing is like you want life to be easier. And as a parent, that's how you're going to know that your efforts are working is that your child is not going to be as stressed. Their anxiety level is going to go down. They're going to feel um, just more at ease in general. So one of the other tips that I can offer you um, is to kind of tell stories. Telling stories is a really nice way to help um, with organizing thoughts, with improving memory, with improving problem-solving skills, 
there's a whole lot of wonderful things that happen when children tell stories. So when they're little, let them tell you stories, you tell them stories, but this can also work for, you know, a slightly older child, like 10 or 11 or 12. They, they still enjoy telling stories, might even enjoy it when they're older than that. So use this to your advantage and really help them learn to organize their thoughts better. Um, that's just one way of doing it. And it's a, it's a really well, uh, well-rounded way to do it. So I, I, I love telling stories. Behavioral and social skills. This is an area that is really important, especially over the last couple of years when we've been much more isolated due to COVID. Uh, kids do not have um, the opportunities to you know, evolve their social skills. And so I highly recommend that you as the parent create those situations for your child, create those uh, play dates. Um, Yes, even for your older kids, you know, invite their friends over or talk to the parents and see if you can have a day where your child can go over there and they can do something other than just play video games. You want them to play outside, play actual physical games, you know, buy them uh, buy them Monopoly, buy them Uno, let them actually interact with each other in a way where they have to talk and actually look at each other face-to-face. That's how they're going to pick up on social cues. That's how they're going to pick up on the um, ability to, you know, read someone's face and, and really understand what that person is, you know, thinking or trying to do. So these are all really important skills to have. And as you work with your child, um, you, you have to remember that this is this is the long-term uh, solution. So you, you want to create these situations regularly, not just once or twice, but make it a weekly thing. Um, try to have some social interaction at least once or twice a week for your child that is not video game oriented. A lot of kin- kids these days are their their entire their entire social circle is on Discord. And I don't see how that is benefiting them long term in the workforce or um socially, you know, they the the results that I'm seeing are kids are just um lonely and they have a lot of anxiety around this. So Try to create some situations where they have that social circle, they have that support that they need, and they're able to really um, develop those social skills and create that social network that's going to benefit them much, much later in life. And one of the things that I I wanted to bring up earlier is if you have any questions, um, you're welcome to call, call in during the show. So Um, I'd be happy to answer questions, especially during the second half of the show. Um, If you are interested in learning more about how I work with children and adolescents, uh, you're welcome to um, go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com, and you can send me an email. I'd be happy to talk to you, set up a free consultation, and uh, see if there's any way that I can help you. Some of the other ways that I can um, offer some support is um, we're having our second annual um, Executive Function Summit, uh, June 6th through 10th, and it is going to be a pre-recorded summit. 
I'm interviewing professionals on a variety of topics. I believe we have seven or eight people um, at this point that will be uh, recording sessions with us. We will be putting those on YouTube. Uh, so you can go to my YouTube channel, which is uh, Fazia Costi Executive Function Coach, and you can definitely follow us there. And once we have all the recordings, the week of June 6th through 10th, they will be released um, one at a time throughout the, the week. Uh, and, and you can definitely, you know, listen to those. We'll be sending out a, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> a summit um, flyer. And that will have information on all the, the different uh, speakers as well as the different uh, topics. If you'd like to be on that, um, we'll send it out to the same email group that we send out the magazine to. So if you're interested in the summit or the magazine, you can go to um, our website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can subscribe to the magazine and know that you will also receive information on this summit. The summit is June 6th through 10th, once again, and we'll be sending out that information about a week before the summit. So um, you can watch it at your leisure and enjoy each um, of the speakers, and you're welcome to watch them more than once if you need to as well. Uh, they should have some amazing information and some very concrete um, bits of um, information that you can use in your everyday life. And our next thing, our Executive Function Magazine is coming out for its third issue, July 10th. If you have not received, um, one of our um, magazines up to this date, please feel free to go to our website and subscribe to the magazine. Uh, when you subscribe to the magazine, you only get um, the magazine four times a year and then uh, the summit information and maybe um, some little tidbits of information here and there, but it, we do not bombard you with a lot of emails. So it is absolutely uh, a nice way to get lots of information from a variety of different um, experts from around the world. Uh, we do have people from all around the world write, that write for the magazine as well as come on the radio show. And so um, you can feel free to do that. And if you are interested in writing for our magazine or being on the radio show, feel free to send me an email uh, at, at fazia at com. Let me know what you'd like to write about, and I would be happy to um, either call you and discuss the topic, or um, if you send me your information up front, um, I can just let you know if that's something we would be happy to um, print or not print. And if you have any questions on that, um, you can also give me a call at 480-648-1122. And let's see here. Going to go down to when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some things that you as a parent can do to help your child improve their executive function skills. So, I'll talk more specifically about what we can do to help children and adolescents improve their executive function skills. We'll be back after these messages. Thank you for listening. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and I am an executive function coach. I also have this wonderful radio show and an executive function I'm sorry. Yes. Executive function magazine. So um, I want to, before we get started, I just want to thank our listeners for listening. Um, Without you, this could not be possible. So I thank you again for that. Today, we're talking about executive function skills, specifically um, the issues and the challenges that kids have when they're younger, specifically age, grade school kids and teenagers. So uh, the second half of this Uh, show, I want to talk about things that parents can do to help improve executive function skills. So the first half we talked about what is executive function, what what executive function deficiencies look like? You know, they, they, how do they manifest in everyday life? So we talked about that quite a bit, but now I want to focus on what you as a parent can do or what you as a guardian can do to help improve executive function skills for the child that's in your life. So one of the most important things that you as a parent can do or you as a guardian can do is find out what excites your student, what excites your child about life. And this is important for motivation. Without motivation, we can't get kids to do anything. So before we can ask them to clean up their room, we have to teach them, one, how to clean up their room, 
But two, we have to give them a reason to do this. And it's important for a child to have a reason to do the things that they do. Uh, Just because you say so is, you know, it might be fun to say that to your child, but it's not going to get the job done. Your child's going to find ways to get away with not doing what you're asking them to do. So find out what, what is the most exciting thing in your child's life. If your child loves basketball or if they love uh, different um, video games or if they love TV shows or if they love spending time with their friends, find out about it and, and make that an important part of your life as well so that you understand uh, what your child finds motivating and what your child will be motivated by. So if your child's motivated by spending time with their friends, you know, they're probably going to spend their time cleaning their room because they know that if they get everything done, they'll have more time with their friends after they do their chores. So this is a really good way to help motivate your child. Um, One of the issues with video games, though, is that children tend to get addicted to video games, and I see quite a bit of that. So my recommendation is, yes, sometimes you can use that as a motivator, but most of the time, I would strongly suggest (laughs) that you limit using uh, video games as the motivator, especially since so many kids these days tend to use um, Discord as their social circle. And as nice as it is to have friends to play video games with, that is not what I would consider an actual relationship with somebody else. That is not a social relationship. That is just somebody you play games with. So in order to have that true relationship, you need to find other things to do with your friends, like play basketball or maybe do arts and crafts or go for a walk or go to the lake or go walk on the beach or some, you know, something else other than playing video games. Another thing um, is to help them learn the importance of organizing their space and their time. Uh, time and organizing their time and their space, they're very connected. Uh, and it's important that they learn how to do this, but keep, keep in mind that this is a very, um, important skill, and it's going to take them some time to get these things organized. So when you're looking to help them organize their time, you can try, you know, you can use timers for little kids. You can use timers for older kids too, if they have an issue telling how much time has passed. But over time, you want to minimize those those little uh, crutches But at the beginning, it's a really good way to get them started and help them really have a better understanding of what it feels like to have 15 minutes pass by. And then to organize their space, everything should have a place. Make sure that your child has a bookshelf if they have books. You want to put put books on a bookshelf. They don't belong in stacks on the floor. Although I have to say, I've been guilty of doing that when I've run out of bookshelf space. But it shouldn't be because your child doesn't have a bookshelf. And it can be a small one, enough for them to put their school books on. But you definitely want to have the right furniture in the space so that they can um, adequately create a space that is 
for success. You can't expect your child to be successful if you don't give them the tools to be successful. Keep that in mind. The tools are very important in success. So a desk, if you want your child's space to be functional and successful, make sure they have a desk. Um, Make sure they have a place to put their pens and pencils. These days, most people, most students work complete, well, almost completely on uh, their computers. They do their homework on their computers. They submit their homework on their computers, even if they go to class in person. But there's something to be said for that um, kinesthetic learner who needs to take notes physically. And I, I actually think it's important to use all three learning styles. And for those of you who don't know what those are, Uh, We learn by, you know, seeing things, we learn by hearing things, and we learn by doing things. So a kinesthetic learner is someone who actually has to do things to, you know, they're the kid that has to write things down. Or if they want to know how a clock works, they have to take it apart, put it back together so they can fully understand the mechanism. Whereas uh, a visual learner can just watch a video of the same thing on YouTube and they're perfectly happy. Uh, so it's really important to, to kind of give your student, your child, the tools that's going to make them as content and successful as possible. Um, if they have the right tools, it's also going to lower their anxiety because then they know that bookshelf is designed for my books. That's where I'm going to put my books. That's where I can find my books. And anytime in the future, if I should need one of those books, I know where to look for them. So it's a really nice way to do that. And then you have the desk. Make sure your child has, you know, a computer, uh, notebook, pens, pencils, and a printer. Sometimes they need to print things out. So let's make sure that they have all the tools, um, including a comfortable chair, to make that particular space as successful as possible. And then if you put a, uh, a calendar and you put a clock up on the wall, that space is going to be much more functional than a space where they're sitting at the dining table or on the coffee table or on the floor and and trying to get everything done. Now, I know kids who are incredibly successful doing their homework on the floor or on the coffee table or on the dining table, but it also requires more work on the parent's part. So keep that in mind. If you give your child the tools they need, they're more likely going to be independent. And that's really the goal is to have these children become as successful as possible while being as independent as possible. So try not to be a hovering parent either, because that is kind of counterproductive. Another thing that I highly recommend is um, fostering healthy self-esteem. A child who likes themselves, who feels good about who they are, is more willing to do things for their family, for their friends, for their future, for their community. So when a child doesn't feel good about themselves, try to turn that around because who who can live their life healthy if they're not feeling good about who they are? So really watch the words that you say to your children. Um, I can't emphasize this enough. If you wouldn't want to hear those words in the situation that your child is in at that moment, then don't say them. Tell them how wonderful they are. Tell them they are 
exactly the way they're meant to be, but because they're still young and growing, they have some things to learn. There's nothing wrong with who they are. There's nothing wrong with, with where they are. It's just, they're in the phase of learning and, and learning can be lifelong, but it doesn't have to be painful and it doesn't have to be difficult. It just has to be a process. So make sure that you allow your child to have healthy self-esteem in the process of learning. And when you're, when you're a child, you're, you're not just learning the content of a math book or a history book or an English book. You're also learning about who you are. And in that process, you're also learning about not, not only who you are, but who you want to be and how you're going to get there. And, and you're, you're growing and you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood. So there's so much going on that it's really, I can't even tell you how important a healthy self-esteem is. So make sure you watch your words and choose them very carefully um, when, you're, when you're talking to children. The next thing I want to talk about is self-confidence. So self-confidence is basically how they feel about the things they can do. And you want to give children the opportunity to be as confident as they can possibly be. So my recommendation is to allow for failure. Failure is not a bad thing. It's basically how we learn what we don't want in our lives. So give your child many, many new opportunities. Allow them to fail. Talk them through the failure and allow them to enjoy the wins when they don't fail, when they win. So they can be really good at sportsmanship. So when someone else um, is failing, they can be that support system for somebody else. Or when someone else wins, they can celebrate that win with the other person. Uh, Self-confidence is a very important thing in, you know, playing sports, playing games, um, it's it's a really important thing in school um, with classes, with math, you know, English, whatever, whatever the class might be. So it's really important to have your child in a position of um, having a solid self-esteem. And I, I just want to tell you a little story that uh, when my kids were little, um, my when my daughter was in first grade, I told her I would never help her with homework. And my argument was that it's between her and her. So if she struggled with a concept or an idea, she needed to go back to the source, which is the teacher. I did not want to be the middleman. And she, um, she tested my theory out one day. And so she came home and she had 100% on pretty much every paper except for one, which had a big fat zero on it. And she handed them to me and I looked at them and she said, did you see it? And I said, see what? She's like, you know, the, the zero. And I said, yes, yes, I did. I saw it. And she said, you have nothing to say. And I said, no. I said, because I already have a car. I already have a house. I already have everything that I want. So if you want those things for yourself, you're going to have to work for them and you have to do it on your own. 
you have to have the self-confidence to go through life knowing that everything that is coming your way is actually yours. And so I don't help with homework because I want you to have a relationship with your teacher so that you can actually learn what needs to be learned. And when you have a failure, we'll talk about it. So that night, I told my daughter to get dressed and the, the whole family, we went out to dinner and we talked about the failure, the big fat zero. <laughs> and that was the very first dinner of many. Um, whenever my kids had a failure in any kind, in any way, whether it be, you know, academics or whether it be in sports, if they lost a game or whatever it was, um, we would take that failure and we would change it into a learning opportunity. So we would go out to dinner, we would have dinner, and then we would talk about what did you learn from this situation? And that was the important lesson is what did you learn? So if the lesson was, I have to work harder next time, great, lesson learned. If I learned or if the child learned um, that maybe they didn't study, uh, well, next time I'm going to study for this test and that way I will pass and I'll do well on it. So the lessons became theirs, they owned it, and it increased their self-confidence and increased their self-esteem because the, the, the idea was that their ability to do well on a specific thing, like academically or in sports, really did not, was not dependent on who they were as a person or vice versa, that the two were separate. You can have a lack of confidence in a specific area and still have high self-esteem or vice versa. And so what that, what that did, allowing my kids to fail, allowing them to, to fail in front of me and not treating it as a bad thing, but talking about how they could improve it, I think it actually helped improve their self-confidence it helped them really develop their abilities to be thick-skinned uh, when something didn't go their way, knowing that this was not a bad thing. This was a learning opportunity. And, and this was a, a really great lesson throughout their lives because, as we all know, there's many opportunities for failure, and you can feel bad about them, or you can turn them around and use them as a stepping stone for your next success. So that being said, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, follow through and modeling. So teaching your kids to follow through has to be done by example. If your child sees how you do the things that you're doing, they're going to, they're going to copy that. They're going to emulate that. So whatever that you do, whatever it is that you do, know that your kids are watching. Uh, I remember one time my, my younger daughter was um, at my, uh, she was mad at me. I don't know why. I don't remember the reason, but she was at my uh, parents' house for the weekend. And I think she was probably like eight or nine years old. And, and my dad called me at the time and he said, your daughter's very mad at you. And I said, really? He goes, he goes, I just want you to know that every word that comes out of her mouth even though she's mad at you, every word that comes out of her mouth is words that you've said to her. And so she's, 
you know, she's mad at you, but she's justifying, you know, she's rectifying it. She's making, she's trying to work through the problem and all the things that I had said to her, all the things that we had talked about pretty much came full circle at that moment in time. And it was, it was actually quite comical because I didn't know she was listening that closely, <laughs> but clearly she was. So know that your kids listen to every word that you say, uh, know that they're going to follow your example and everything, every single thing in a child's life goes back to modeling appropriate behavior. So as a parent, I strongly recommend that you pay attention to every single word that comes out of your mouth because your children genuinely listen to everything you say and pay attention to everything that you do because they're going to emulate that. I mean, if you are the, if you are a person that leaves your shoes lying around all over the house, which by the way, I am, um, <laughs> I, I have lots of shoes and I tend to take them off at very bizarre places like in front of the sink or uh, under my desk and I forget about them. Well, my kids do the same thing. So your kids will model, your kids will follow that. If you model the behavior, they'll follow it. But I also have a lot of really good habits that my kids follow. And one of them is that they they look at their failures as opportunities. They look at their failures as stepping stones. They, um, they work hard. You know, that right there is, is an important one. And they're really good at problem solving. They're very good at um, just listening to what someone else has to say and, and really trying to understand, putting themselves in that person's shoes. So really listen to what your kids have to say, help them with their, their quote unquote failures so that they can better understand how to use it as a stepping stone. And if these are things that you as an adult do not know how to do, there are a million self-help self-help books out there. Go find out how to do the things that you want your children to be able to do. If you can do them, your children will be able to do them also because they will absolutely, without a doubt, they will do what you're doing. So, um, and then also have patience. Um, If your child could do better, they would. Just think of all the things that you had to deal with as as a child growing up. Know that not only does your child have to deal with all those, but they have additional pressures that maybe you didn't have. I know uh, with COVID, I mean, that's something that my generation did not have to deal with during school. And watching kids who were in high school or college deal with COVID, um, I give them a lot of credit. That was a very tough problem to have to deal with. And apparently we're still dealing with you know, the aftermath of that. So give your kids some, give them some, some patience. You know, that's, that's one of the best things that you can do is be patient with them and be patient with yourself. Because remember, you're modeling all the behaviors that you want your child to have. So if you want your child to have the ability to uh, love themselves, then you have to be loving towards yourself. If you want your, your child to have excellent self-care, then you have to model that. You have to show them what that means. Everything that you do as an adult is going to come back and haunt you through your kids. So do a good job and and know that, you know, these are some really tough times that we live in, but um, 
there's some really great opportunities um, as well, especially the one about uh, celebrating your failures and using them as a stepping stone. If for some reason you feel that these tips um, are great, but you still have additional challenges, seek out help. Go find yourself a a great coach, uh, a great therapist, or somebody that can help you. And if you're unsure about which direction to go, you can feel free to call me and I'd be happy to um, point you in the right direction. Um, I have quite a few people that I'm connected with and I'd be happy to send you to the right person that might be able to help you. And once again, if you're interested in learning more about what I do, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com and my website has um, uh, a link to the radio show. It has a link to um, how you can subscribe to the magazine, Executive Function Magazine. Uh, We launched it in January. So our third issue is coming out July 10th. If you're interested in getting a copy, make sure that you uh, subscribe to that. And there's a second email that comes out to confirm your subscription. Please make sure that you go back and you subscribe and click on that email that you receive, because if you don't, it gets bounced back and you will not receive the copy of the magazine. So if you've subscribed and you are not receiving a copy, go through your emails and make sure that you have um, clicked on that second email. If you've erased it or deleted it, um, just give me a call or shoot me an email and we'll figure out a way to get you on the list. And also last thing I want to talk about is our summit, our executive function summit. This is actually our second um, annual summit on executive function, and it is June 10th through, I'm sorry, June 6th through the 10th. And it will be on our YouTube channel um, as a recording. We'll be releasing them June 6th through 10th. Um, If you are interested in getting that, please go to our um, YouTube channel, which is Fazia Costi, Executive Function Coach, LLC. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, as we put up new videos, you'll be um, you'll you'll receive um, that information as well. And if you are interested in talking to me about anything else, you can go to my website. And at the very bottom of the first page is a place where you can shoot me an email. Uh, I think it's um, yeah, it's at the very bottom of that first page. So feel free to go ahead and shoot me an email if you have any questions about today's show or any other show, or if you'd like a copy of our first two um, magazine cop, uh, magazine issues, be happy to send them to you. They're absolutely wonderful. We have some really great people who've written um, some amazing articles. So if you're interested, let me know. And once again, I thank you for listening. Uh, without you, this would not be possible. So have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.